FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 451 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason. This ain't no pillow fight minimal. And it's a flashback episode, and we're going to talk about the Marvel 90s event, the Infinity Crusade. So, summer of 93, uh, Starlin kind of, I guess, wrapping up his Infinity trilogy. Um, we had, of course, the Infinity Gauntlet, and then Infinity War, and now we have the Infinity Crusade. And I won't lie. <laughs> um, so, this event has single, and this episode has been the most procrastinated episode in the nine years I've been doing the podcast. And it's not because I hate the books or that they're terrible, because they're really not too bad overall. Um, it's just that I don't know. I don't probably have a lot to say. There's a lot of comics, and I'm going to treat the event the same way I've been treating most of these kind of big crossover events, in that I will read all of the chapters that I can get my hands on, either physically or digitally. Um, you know, in other words, either I have them or they're on Marvel Unlimited. Those are that's my digital option. Um, and I will at least mention everything that I read. So obviously, we'll do the full podcast treatment of everything that Wolverine is in, no matter how brief. But you know, we'll at least mention. And I always try to keep up with story beats from, from as many of the chapters as I possibly can. And, I don't know, I was really excited about this because I really, really enjoyed Infinity Gauntlet. And was surprised at how much I enjoyed Infinity War. I mean, Gauntlet, yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. It's, it's Thanos and Warlock and Starlin cosmic stuff and all the heroes fighting and... There's great moments with several key heroes, you know, including Captain America, um, you know, standing up to Thanos, and there's lots of really, really great stuff. And it's just a great classic story. And then Infinity Wars, as a kid, I always was kind of turned off because, oh, it's just a, a dumb story about doppelgangers. But there's actually, especially the event itself, not all the tie-ins move up, but the event itself, if you remember my coverage, I really, really enjoyed. It was kind of shocked at how much I enjoyed it. And then, then we end, right? So that, that all was all about Warlock fighting the Magus. Then the Magus, however you say it, Al, remind me. Al from Adam Warlock and Thanos, Resurrections Podcast, remind me how I'm supposed to say his name. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end, though, you have this other figure who looks like a female version of Adam and is collecting these cosmic... Well, cosmic geometry, as I like to call it. It's not just a cosmic cube. There's triangles and pyramids and spheres and all these different shapes, but they're all cosmic entities. Um, and so that's cool. That's going to show up in the next part, which will be Infinity Crusade, so I was pretty excited. Um... I guess we'll get through these issues, and I'll kind of talk about how that did or didn't live up. And I don't know, the whole thing just kind of, not to put the cart before the horse and spoil how I felt, but like, so Starlin, in the 70s, I've been loving reading as I've encountered his stuff so far, kind of building his Starlin verse, as Al likes to say. Um, and then the 90s stuff, I've also just really enjoyed 
like kind of the allegory and it is very allegorical but to this point has been I mean as subtle as you can be with allegory in a comic book like definitely I don't know and it felt like it was all very focused and this one I, I think A the subtlety seems to have kind of gone by the wayside and so it's a lot more just kind of the, the allegorical references are a lot more heavy handed but they're not heavy handed in a way that really drive like a thesis like it feels a little less focused so it's like it's less subtle and also less focused so normally when you think of like a heavy handed book it's like you think of something that's like preaching and trying to drive home this point you know or this this worldview or whatever and I don't I don't feel like that's what's happening here I think it, I mean, it kind of gets there's some actually maybe some kind of cool gray area and what the outcomes should or shouldn't be and how they play out in the books but then the allegory and and the and the intentional use of the word crusade then is very heavy-handed not always in a bad way some of it actually kind of works but then some of it doesn't it's just a weird it's a weird mix of story and the comic book medium where or some of it works really well, and some of it does not work so well, and it's kind of, I don't know, we'll get, we'll get into it, but that's kind of my overall, kind of, if you want to know, like, where I'm launching from, what my launch pad is on this story, that's kind of it, so, anyway, I guess enough preamble, let's get into the comics, so we'll talk about, first, speaking of preamble, there is Doctor Strange 54, um, which basically Doc Strange foresees the Infinity Crusades, so he decides he needs his mojo back. Because remember, I think I mentioned this when we were talking about Secret Defenders with Al. Like, man, Al, you're getting name dropped like a biatch on this episode. Um, anyway, I think um, we talked about in that one that in the current Doctor Strange book, he has gone through the wars and he's he's lost some of his powers. Basically, he's lost his magical sponsors. Like, he always says, you know, by the Hoagie, the what is it? The hoary host of Hogarth, right? And, and Hogarth is no longer lending him any power. And the Seraphim, and, you know, all these entities that he calls on, um, Mashanti, like, they're all like, uh, no, you wouldn't do what we asked you to do this time, so, you know, we're, we're, we're pulling our sponsorship. But he decides after seeing what's going to happen in the Infinity Crusades, he needs to get that mojo back. So in the attempt, he goes to see Eternity, and Eternity makes him forget his foresight and sends him home. And then the goddess comes to the Sanctum Santorum to recruit him. And successfully, he says, hey, I, I got this mission, I want you to help me. And since Doctor Strange forgot his predictions that he saw, he's like, all right, cool. And so that's going to kind of set us up for Infinity Crusade number one, which has a 90s foil cover. We'll get to that in just a second. This is Epiphany. This is written by Jim Starlin, penciled by Ron Lim, inked by Al Milgram, colors by Ian Laughlin, letters by Jack Moreau, uh, edited by Craig Anderson, and of course, chief editor Tom DeFalco. And the cover is by Ron Lim. And we have... The god, what we'll know to become the goddess, and she's 
an orangey yellowy figure like Adam Warlock with blonde hair. And she has golden armor and then an Adam Warlock type cape. It's red on the outside, yellow on the inside. And she is standing almost transfigured. She's uh, floating in space with her golden armor, her, her arms raised, outstretched to her people. And then we have alternating rays of gold and then a spacey starry background and it's interesting because the way they kind of split it up the people who there's a lot of floating heads of the heroes around her and the heads that are in the gold foil bands are the people who she converts and then the people in this open space and stars are the people and the heretics who reject her her gospel and of course wolverine is in a square with hulk thing and psylocke um and so he's on the cover and so basically in this one the goddess is the opposite of the magus if he was adam warlock's evil masculine aggressive side all right so remember and Infinity Gauntlet, the thing that, that led to Infinity War and allowed Magus to come up, is that when Adam Warlock was omnipotent and decided he wanted to be a better god, he like purged himself of emotion and became like this just all logical reasoning god. And that purge kind of split in two in the dark side of his emotional state enable the Magus to return, and we never really found out what happened to the light side. Well, now we're finding out. The light side formed the goddess, and so she is all that is light of Adam Warlock personified. So the the Magus was the evil male aggressive form. Uh, the goddess is intended to be the good feminine light side, though I think we'll see she still has some aggression as well as the story goes. But um, Anyway, she has been collecting interdimensional cosmic geometry and transcribes herself to a holy mission. But first, she has to banish Adam so he can't interfere. Then she recruits a congregation of heroes that are either religious, magical, supernatural, or have had near-death experiences. So they have kind of maybe a spiritual side that they've been exposed to. So really, any kind of spiritual exposure at all. Um, she recruits them, and she creates a new paradise and a cathedral for them. And of course, the other heroes are concerned about their missing friends and gather at Avengers headquarters. Reed Richards also disappears, but by a different mysterious agent. Um, and yeah, Wolverine is in this. <laughs> yeah, let me see if I can put this. So... We see, you know, and the different parts where all the heroes are gathered. Um, Wolverine is like in a control room, I think. I'm trying to, yeah, with Storm. And Storm sees the goddess, but Wolverine can't. Because, um, you know, Wolverine is, you know, rough around the edges, not really very spiritual, so to speak. But Storm is a goddess, so she has a supernatural bent. I guess we're really just playing on her name as being thought of as a goddess in Kenya. But, um, yeah, so that's really our scene with Wolverine. Um, <laughs> he's not recruited. <laughs> anyway, um, and by the way, I will probably fly through these issues because it's not a whole, like I said, there's not, I just don't have a whole lot to say about them. But I will definitely talk where I can talk. <laughs> that's what podcasters do. We talk.
Um, yeah, so, uh, so I really like peak 90s Ron Lim. This art is just okay for him. And then the story is, is Starlin-esque, I wrote, but not as gripping. Um, so really the, the, the things that, that are worth mentioning is that, you know, Logan can't even detect the goddess. He feels like Storm is, like, distracted, but he doesn't really know why. And then uh, there's a weird scene where Speedball tries to uh, motorboat She-Hulk uh, when all the heroes gather. It's, it's an odd, odd scene. <laughs> When, when all the like he literally like ice. Well, I guess it's not his fault. So Iceman trips him, and he plants his head and face squarely between She-Hulk's boobs, and yeah, and it's kind of a gag. I guess it's a weird gag, but um, yeah. Anyway, you know what? I I I ended up giving Infinity Crusade number one three out of six claws. So the next two things I read were Iron Man 294 and 295. So, um, just keeping up with Iron Man's 90s arc at this time, um, you know, he had that, that nervous thing by the Mars Corporation where it attacked his nervous system and basically shut him down. So he put himself like in a... He faked his death and put himself in a coma. And having recently been resurrected, the goddess tries to recruit Tony Stark. But he says, no thanks, he'll stick with science. And... It really takes two issues to do that, and that's what you get. Um, Thor 463, having forsaken Asgard, Thor's easy pickings for the goddess and her crusade. So Thor has recently gotten really mad. Um, he has just kind of been, he just has gone through a transformation himself. Remember, Eric Masterson has been Thor for a long time. They finally are able to kind of split that back out, and Thor is Thor, and Eric, Eric becomes Thunderstrike. But he doesn't really like the way Odin handled it all and the way he treated everyone. So he kind of goes off on his own and has some really stories just about his anger. And, of course, the goddess preys on his emotional uh, fragility there. All right, next up was Avengers West Coast number 96. The West Coast Avengers search for their missing teammates before being called to New York to join the rest of the heroes. And there's some other stuff that happens in there, but it doesn't really matter. Um... So the next thing we'll talk about in depth will be Warlock and the Infinity Watch number 18. Now, I've really been enjoying this series, like, a lot. Uh, it's been focused on Adam Warlock and the other supporting characters. And, you know, we talked about it during Infinity War, but basically this book is, you know, the people who have been entrusted with the Infinity Gems and, and Adam Warlock on Monster Island just kind of doing their thing. So this one is, of course, written by Jim Starlin, penciled by Angel Mendina, inked by Bob Almond, letters by Morelli. I don't think it's Tom. That's Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. I don't think this is Tom Morelli. Um, but someone. And then Laughlin does the colors. And our cover is by Medina and Almond. And it's a silly cover. It says, I'm here to save the universe. And it's Pip the Troll coming out of the page. You know, kind of the Robin and Batman classic cover where they bust through the cover. And he's flanked by Warlock and Gamora. And he's in a new Pip Man costume. And he has, you know, Captain American gloves with stars on it, a, a, a ratty cape, a nice costume with a P in the middle. And in the middle of the P is a Punisher skull. And then he's got, of course, uh, wings on his boots and Thor 
vague eagle wings on his helmet and then a spiky collar. Uh, he's got some diamond gems. And he's got a weird like mask on his crotch, <laughs> like a like a like the old drama mask or a demon mask maybe. Um, it's a it's a silly cover. It's funny. Um, right. So concurrent with Crusade Chapter One, after Gamora and Adam are gone, Pip the Troll turns into Pip Man and declares himself leader of the Infinity Watch. We also find out. Where Reed went. Oh, I guess I should clarify where Gamora. Gamora got recruited, and of course Adam got banished. So, so Pip uh, declares himself Pip Man, leader of the Infinity Watch. And we also find out where Reed went. Uh, Pip collected him to pick his brain. Uh, Reed determines the energy residue matches that of the cosmic cubes that were used by Magus in the Infinity War. Pip re- reluctantly allows Reed to take charge and teleports them all to Avengers headquarters where all the other heroes are, including Wolverine's head. <laughs> That's all we got there. Uh, so uh, the art is decent. Uh, Medina has done some really cool work on this book previously, and this one is, is not bad. Um, and the story is fine, but not as funny as it wants to be, and I gave the issue 3 out of 6 claws. So next is going to take us to Warlock Chronicles number 1, which I think is the best book in this series, though we don't really get to talk about it or rate it necessarily because Wolverine's not in it. But it just has all the emotional punch of the series from Warlock. Um, it has really good art, really good covers. Um, I think uh, Tom Rainey does the art on the, most of these. Um, so Warlock is discovered by two strangers in a strange dimension, and we get a Warlock chronicle of his history. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's kind of a big catch-up summary, but it's beautiful. Uh, really good art. But, you know, really awesome cover. So then we hop over to Thor 464. The goddess brings Thor to Paradise Omega to join her other devotee heroes. So next up then, for Wolverine, we will jump to the Infinity Crusade number two. Which is, I believe, the same creative team. Let's double check. Yes. Exactly the same creative team. And this time on the cover, we have Crush the Infidels with some of our heroes who have joined the goddess uh, Storm, Silver Surfer, Sweepwalker, Sasquatch, Thor, Spider Man, uh, Namorita, Doctor Strange, Jean Grey, and then they have captured uh, Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, and Vision. And then Captain America and Moon Dragon, also on the goddess's side, are staring them down. Yes, it's an okay cover. It's not bad. Actually, it's not that great. <laughs> but it's wrong, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. Anyway, um, while the goddess welcomes her de- devotees to Paradise Omega, Pip teleports Reed unless one is left in the Infinity Watch back to the heroes. So it kind of catches up with what we saw in the last issue of Infinity Watch. Uh, Hulk and Wolverine blame them for what's going on, so a fight ensues until Reed breaks it up. He fills everybody in on what he knows. Back in paradise, Goddess has forged all the cosmic shapes into one giant cosmic egg, which she will use to telepathically bend every being in the universe towards her will. To do this, she'll need her disciples to protect the egg and her physical body. Aurora changes personalities to her 
sweeter, more religious self who is now drawn to the goddess. Uh, Reed, Iron Man, and Vision allow her to take a Quinjet and they hitch a ride. Um, there is a funny scene where Wolverine gets called the Badger by Drax. That's pretty cool. Uh-oh, I think I missed a... No, I didn't. Okay. Um. Anyway, there's a... That's funny for a couple of different reasons. One, I think there's later another comment called the Badger, but also when I was in high school and I was learning or exercising, flexing my drawing muscles, which I think I did okay at, I tried to draw a comic book. It was kind of a post-apocalyptic X-Men type comic book, and I had a guy named Badger. I had not read this comic or knew of people calling Wolverine Badger, but he was basically a Wolverine analog. <laughs> And he was called Badger. And he had two claws instead of three, also before X-23. But anyway, not that that's original. But, yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, and he drove, he rode a, excuse me, he rode a giant kangaroo. That was basically just me trying to draw a tauntaun. <laughs> but, um, anyway. Uh, anyway, that's that. So it reminded me of that. Um, so I have some more notes here that I, think actually go with the synopsis <laughs> i don't know what happened here um anyway yes yeah, so they're they're on the quinjet with uh, aurora and upon arrival reed challenges the goddess claiming her disciples are not acting of free will this pisses the goddess off so she sends them home and tells them to warn their friends that any non-believers who try to enter the paradise will be smited and the best page by far adam seeks out the wielder of the reality gem as the goddess begins her enlightenment of the universe, Reed visits the Watcher. So, yes, there's a really cool page of Adam Warlock looking for the wielder of the reality gem, which has been a secret this whole time. Like, ever since Infinity Gauntlet, it's been a secret. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely probably tweet this page after in the episode thread. Um, it's really nice. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So I'm still, uh, still feeling three out of six claws. It's not bad. Uh, so here's where we definitely get, like, you know, a, an angry, jealous God, kind of the Old Testament God. And the use of crusades, though, obviously pulls into medieval times where kind of, you know, convert or die kind of mentality. So we're definitely, like I said, the allegory is pretty thick. Um... And then we have Avengers West Coast 97, which I don't remember what it looks like. My notes just say, um, sure. <laughs> so, I guess go check that out at your own leisure or whatever. Alright, so Wolverine does briefly appear in Web of Spider-Man 104, which is next. So, this is Crisis of Conscience, Part 1 of 3, written by Terry Kavanaugh, who we've recently had on the podcast, not as a guest, but as a Moon Knight author. Uh, Alex Saviak, or Saviak does the breakdowns. Donnie Hudson uh, does the finish art. Um, Steve Dutro is the letterer. Bob Sharon and the colorist. And the cover is by Alex. It's a pretty cool cover of Spider-Man kind of in an uh, iron cross pose, floating in space, surrounded by green energy, and the goddess approaching him, flying up behind him. It's actually a, it's actually a pretty good cover. Um, so Spidey, counting himself among the goddess's disciples in true Spider-Man fashion, has doubts. Uh, Moon Dragon, 
telepathically senses those doubts and attacks them in religious fervor. He falls by the cosmic egg and is transported to his own soulscape, where his doubles, where his doubts take shadowy form and attack him. Um, the art is pretty good. I contend that Saviak is one of the underrated Spider-Man artists in the 90s. He doesn't really get the same due as some of his peers and contemporaries, like the just holy Sal Basima and, you know, the awesome and energetic Mark Bagley. He's really not ever mentioned in those same conversations, but his art is up there. Like, it, I mean, even I would say it's probably not quite as good as those two, but it's pretty close. I, I like it a lot. Um, I think he has a lot of cool stuff he does. Uh, so the art's really good. The story, I mean, it's pretty much keeping in pace with the event. So I gave this issue three out of six claws. So we're going to go right into part two, which is Web of Spider-Man 105. And I don't think there's anything different here. Nope. Everything's exactly the same on our cover. Uh, we have Spider-Man facing off against Moon Knight, Sasquatch, Archangel, and Quicksilver. So he's definitely outnumbered. It's a pretty good cover. Alright, so Spider-Man fights through a literal soul gauntlet of friends and enemies and decides he's a true believer after all. Um, so this issue is kind of weak and the conclusion is not earned, I don't feel. Basically just kind of, eh, yeah, why not? Um, yeah, and there, I mean, there's a crowd scene of Wolverine, so we will talk about it. I don't really like this one as much. I gave it two out of six claws. All right, so then we hop over to Doctor Strange, number 55, where Dormammu tries to trick Doctor Strange into betraying the goddess, but cannot. Uh, then we have Cage, number 17, where the goddess resurrects the Crusader, of course, who has the misfortune of running afoul of Cage so he can just die again. <laughs> it's kind of a funny little story. Alright, then we have Dark Cock number 30. Um, which is... This Evil Unleashed, written by Danny Fingeroff. Uh, pencils by Anthony Williams. Inks by Ian Aiken. Colors by Troy Sayers. Or Sayers and letters by Bill Oakley. And the cover by Smith. It's a pretty cool cover. It's Darkhawk in all blue and white being blown up by a white figure and red and yellow fire explosion. It's, it's actually a pretty great cover. Um, so in this one, uh, Human Torch lights Wolverine's cigar with his thumb. <laughs> That's the highlight. And then Darkhawk questions if they should really oppose the goddess but ultimately decides that he trusts the heroes and will back their play no matter what. And oh, and by the way, because it's Darkhawk and he's a teenager, there's a lot of family drama. Oh, so the art I thought was fine. And the story I thought was fine. Um, it's in step with the rest of the event so far. So Darkhawk 30 gets three out of six claws for me. Kind of a, just a nice... It's just an okay story plowing forward. Kind of where I am right now. Alright, so Warlock Chronicles 2. Uh, Warlock trips through an unreality rift to seek the mysterious garden of the reality gem, which we finally find out is Thanos. And, um, and lifts his aid against the goddess before returning home. Again, 
and this is the stronger book of the event so far. All right, so next up, we're going to talk about Warlock and the Infinity Watch number 19, um, which is still written by Jim Starlin, this time penciled by Tom Grindberg or Grinberg, I'm not sure. Keith Williams is the inker. Jack Morelli still does the letters. Uh, Ian Laughlin is this time joined by Renee Winterstanner on the colors. Now, I'm going to say, I've seen some stuff on Twitter just recently. I don't really know who Grinberg was, but I thought some sci-fi stuff that he did back in the same day that was pretty great. I don't... Maybe he just tried something different in the 90s, maybe just a little bit looser, kind of a sketchy style. Um, I don't love it. But anyway... Um, in this one, Wolverine, Hulk, and Thing give... Oh, sorry. The cover is Pip-Man again. And he's standing on top of Thing. And then Wolverine, Hulk, Maxim, Rogue, and Speedball are attacking him. And inside the issue, Wolverine, Hulk, and Thing give Pip a bath against his will, making him feel humiliated. So, again, this one, I don't really like the art. And again... These, these Pip-Man stories are trying pretty hard to be dang funny and just not really landing for me. So, I actually gave this one two out of six claws. Not, a, not my favorite tie-in. So, next up we have Infinity Crusade number three. Which is... The Damned. And I believe it's all the same. Yep, all the same stuff. This cover is better, though. We have, if you want to stop the goddess, you'll have to deal with me. And we have giant, like, monstrous Mephisto, which is a really cool thing I like from... The first time I remember seeing it was the John Romina Jr. Daredevil story uh, with Anna Centi and J.R.J.R. He draws the hell out of this version of Mephisto. Um, anyway, I don't, it's not like something I, I like that Mephisto is given like different forms, and I like this is one of his forms. I wouldn't want this story all the time, because I like classic Mephisto as well, but I, there's something really cool about this one. Kind of, and I don't, it came first, but it does kind of remind me of the, uh, Malambulge from Spawn, am I saying that right, John Wilson from all the pouches and MX Comics podcast that's on hiatus. Um, I think it's something similar to that. But um, yeah, it's just kind of this pop-bellied evil giant demon, and, and it looks great. And of course, Mephisto is all in pink, um, as opposed to the sickly yellow of Spawn. But um, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a nice cover. And in front of him are Adam Warlock and Thanos, and they're branded as the Unholy Trinity. So... In this cover, while refusing to comment on her motivations, the Watcher confirms that the Goddess is using some form of telepathic influence before sending Reed, Vision, and Iron Man back to Avengers HQ. While the heroes debate their course of action, Pip explains who and what the Goddess is. Back on Monster Isle, Adam, Thanos, and Mephisto form an unholy trinity Mephisto has info on the cosmic shapes. His price is at the end. He gets to keep just one. One cosmic shape. As the heroes decide free will is too important to trade for universal harmony and mouth their offensive, the goddess has her disciples get more aggressive as well. Um, 
and then in, in including the preparation to nuke the capital of pride and sin, New York City. This pisses the Silver Surfer off and breaks his spell when he has to fight through Fire Lord uh, to try to get back to Earth. Uh, Pimp teleports to the Cosmic Egg and somehow turns the Goddess to salt? Long live God Pimp. I really don't know how that happened. I don't... I mean, Pimp has teleportation powers. I don't think he has transmutation powers. I, don't, I really didn't really get it. But he somehow he turns her into salt. Uh, you know, like looking back on the uh, city of Gamora, right? Um, anyway, the art is much better in this issue. Really picks up. This is the Ron Lim I like. And the story is still fine. It, you know, and the further we get away from this kind of the snap of the fingers conversion of the heroes, the more palatable the story is for me, I guess. So anyway, I gave this issue four out of six claws. Wolverine's in there somewhere. He's in the group of heroes. That's kind of most of what he does for the rest of the time until a little bit later. Alright, so Doctor Strange number 56. In the worst kind of tie-in, Doctor Strange's astral form leaves the crusade. <laughs> I know he just checks out the story. Uh, to check on his vampire brother who's been eating criminals and lowlifes. Doctor Strange wins the argument when his brother stakes himself in the heart. Alright, so Darkhawk 31, Wolverine is on the cover, but not in the issue. Uh, as the infidel heroes head out to take on the goddess, tempers flare and a brawl breaks out on the spaceship. And that's that issue. Alright, Thor 465, the Super Scroll is angered by the goddess turning his army into pacifist. Oh, so that's part of her telepathic plea, right? So she rends the world of, like, harmful intentions and evil and violence. And when I say the world, I mean the universe. So there's a whole big spill, like on Earth, all the criminals quit being criminals. And is weird. So anyway, yeah, so the scrolls all turn into pacifists and the super scroll is, I guess, immune and really mad. So he goes to destroy her, but is intercepted and defeated by Thor. Uh, Warlock Chronicles number 3. Mephisto trades Cosmic Cube knowledge to Thanos in return for getting one to play with when they defeat the goddess. Warlock is indignant, but then is spurned once again by Eternity, and he gives Thanos a soul gem, which in turn zaps Adam. So, yeah. So, like I said, this is the best book in the event so far. If I was going to rate anything like in the 5 even six range is the Warlock Chronicles tie-ins. They're the best parts. Um, Alright, so now we're going to go back to Warlock and the Infinity Watch number 20. Uh, this one is back to Angel Medina. Everything else is the same. And on our cover we have a giant Pip um, holding in his outstretched hand Gamora and Adam Warlock and then a pile of heroes on the ground including Wolverine. It's a pretty, it's a pretty nice cover. Um, so this one Pip fantasizes about being king or god, but that's too much responsibility. He decides he just wants a birthday party, but while distracted, Silhouette knocks him out and uses the, and uses the cosmic edge to restore the goddess. And Adam, when he got zapped by the soul gem, goes back to soul world. So we get like a thread here that Wolverine participates in, where he mentions that, that Maxim has no scent. Maxim's this guy that showed up. Kind of out of nowhere, and Warlock and the Infinity Watch, 
and he has some familiarity with some of the heroes, but he has uh, amnesia. And then Wolverine mentions, and it'll be mentioned again, that he has no scent. I don't, it doesn't pay off in this story, but I'm assuming maybe as I continue to read Infinity Watch, maybe I'll get some of that. Um, so the art in this one is Medina more at his best. And the story, um, the pimp part is dumb, the rest is okay. I gave the issue two out of six claws. Okay, so next up we have Silver Surfer number 83. Uh, the Silver Surfer reluctantly fights through Fire Lord so we can surf home to warn our heroes of the goddess' next attack. So that's going to take us to Infinity Crusade number 4. All the same creatives. This cover by Lim is Thanos, Rogue, Silver Surfer, Iron Man, a Scowling Hulk, a Yelling Drax, and a cool but mad strong guy on the cover. It's, it's pretty nice. It's, it's a nice cover. Alright, so this one, I feel like it starts to pick up a little bit. So, Thanos teleports Silver Surfer aboard his ship to bring him up to speed on Warlock's plan. Doctor Strange teleports the Goddess Acolytes and the big nuclear bomb to Avengers HQ, only to find it empty. The Avengers have already launched their attack on Paradise Omega. On the Avengers' Quinjet en route, Thanos and Surfer holographically offer their aid. They will use the attack as a diversion and follow Adam's plan to defeat the Goddess. Uh, Beast and Wolverine complain about being cannon fodder, but the heroes ultimately agree. Thanos teleports to Catatonic Xavier. Um, oh, by the way, so at one point, Moon Dragon used her telepathy to knock Xavier out so he couldn't try to use his telepathic powers on, on the other heroes or the goddess. So, uh, Thanos teleports to Catatonic Xavier aboard his vessel and connects to his telepathic powers with a science headband. Science headband. He also summons D666, a Death Star shaped like a Liefeld gun. It really is a giant space gun um, that looks like something Cable would shoot from the Liefeld days. Um, it's it's kind of awesome in its own way. Um, so the Silver Surfer absorbs a solar flare, becoming a Super Surfer. Uh, Drax and Holt launch him fastball special style like a space missile to Paradise Omega. He blows up what I thought was a planet but ends up just being like a moon. Um, but the converts are on his ship and still in the fight. The Summers brothers use their powers to clear debris for the Quinjets but Thor throws Mjolnir through both Quinjets. An awesome page. Uh, forcing our heroes into the escape pods. Drax attacks Thor. Um... Oh, it, it was a Paradise Moon. Yeah, so confirming they blew up Paradise Moon, not Paradise Omega. Meanwhile, on Soul World, Adam tracks down the matches. From Paradise Headquarters, Moon Dragon dispenses the team to greet the landing at Skate Pods. So basically breaks her heroes into two, two on two, because she determines that all the Skate Pods have two heroes, so she sends two heroes after them. So the art in this issue is great. If Rim was rushed or whatever before, maybe, I don't know. But he's back to full grade A form in this issue, I felt like. Um, it's really good. 
no coincidence that as Thanos and Adam get more involved, I enjoy the story more. Now, that's not to say I don't appreciate the goddess. She's just, the goddess is just a little too much for me in a lot of the story. I think there could have been something done better. And Al, in fact, I mentioned again, Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast with Al Sedano. He will eventually <laughs> cover this story, and I really look forward to it. And he also mentioned maybe having um, a, a friend on the show, Sarah, who has also been on Make Ours Marvel a lot, and um, says she might have some interesting takes on this story. I know um, she said a lot about LGBTQ, LGBTQT plus stuff, and also um, about feminism. So I, I, even after reading that, tried to kind of apply that lens, and I, I think there could have been something really good and interesting with that. Maybe when they get to this this event and cover it, they'll find they actually found something more interesting than me, and I would love to hear it. Um, to me, I feel like maybe there's some attempt at some some feminism and kind of outside the norm um, philosophy. Um, I don't think there's anything I'm blatantly queer or homosexual here, but there's something that's going to be applied for sure, possibly. Uh, yeah, for sure, possibly. That's a real strong stance there, Jason. Um, anyway, I, I think maybe there's some missed opportunities um, in the goddess character um, that I don't really see delivered, and so I don't really find her all that interesting. Uh, whereas she maybe could have been super interesting. Now, there will be a couple of exceptions. There's some identity stuff that does get drawn into. I don't think it involves Wolverine, so I may not really spend a whole lot of time on it. But there is some interesting stuff there, so I guess we'll get to that when we get to it. Anyway, the art in this one's great. Adam Warlock and Thanos, more involved, is great. Uh, the story really picks up. Um, also, pulling the Silver Surfer in. Big bonus for me. So, and honestly, if you ignore the snap-in-the-finger conversion aspect, uh, the action really heats up as well. So I guess the farther we get away from her just kind of mind-zapping everyone, and you kind of can just forget that, I mean, you can't. It's a big part of the story, but they don't mention it as much, and you just kind of let people you just kind of make your own head cannon for why heroes are on the goddess side, and then the story's a lot better. <laughs> so anyway, I actually gave Infinity and Crusade number four five out of six claws. So that takes us to Warlock Chronicles number four. So in a stunning issue on Soul World. Adam pleads with the Magus to reintegrate so they can take on the goddess, even knowing there's a risk that the Magus would try to assert himself as a dominant personality when they're done. However, the Magus actually refuses to help Adam in any way, shape, or form, and tries to defeat Adam on Soul World to take his place in the real world. When Adam is able to defeat Magus in combat, he, he fails on his mission but leaves with the confidence that he is a whole person even without the magis. So he may not be able to reabsorb that emotional darker side where he feels like he somehow still has emotion and he's going to be okay. <laughs> so Silver Surfer 84 and 85. After blowing up Paradise Moon, Silver Surfer has a near-death experience with his parents as he falls to the planet below. He's attacked by Wonder Man in a storm in his weakened state, but turns the tables as his power cosmic returns. But in the end, he shows mercy and lets them go. He can't fight the converted heroes, 
and will seek out a confrontation with the goddess herself. Which is pretty cool. Pretty good issues. Um, Thor 466. While Thor battles Drax, the Asgardians have a feast and remember his past glories. <laughs> kind of a waste. Um, Alright, so Infinity Crusade number 5. All the same creatives. Um, it's a pretty good cover. We have Goddess's head in the background surrounded by white and yellow sunbeams. And we have Silver Surfer zapping Thor's hammer. We have Gamora going at Wolverine, a rematch from Infinity War. Uh, Captain America and Beast. Thing and Spider-Man. Storm and somebody off panel. Hulk looking at Storm. Iron Man and Sasquatch. Scarlet Witch and somebody off panel. And Puck just kind of running around in the background. Um, it's, it's not a bad cover. It's alright. Alright. So, lots of fighting fight as the infidel heroes make landfall in paradise. Goddess begins the rapture, or basically mind pacifying everyone in the universe. Thanos uses his big space gun to shoot a path to the core of paradise and the cosmic egg. He teleports himself and Xavier down and takes out Silhouette easily, but cannot break through the egg even with the soul gem power. The goddess makes the sun go supernova and other stars explode throughout the universe. I guess it's a way to eradicate evil. Um, it's kind of like uh, in that story with the Sentinels um, before they fly to the sun. where they're, In fact, we just covered a return of that in this Wolverine Solo series. Um, the third idea was, well, if we kill all the humans, there can't be any mutations. So, in a way, we're killing mutants by killing all the humans. So I guess the goddess's plan is to eradicate evil or just get rid of everybody so there is no evil. And the best way to do that is to blow up all the stars in the universe. Alright, so there are some cool fights. Um, Cap almost takes out Beast and Iceman with frozen feet. Yeah, badass Captain America. Uh, Quicksilver takes uh, out Cyclops. Uh, Wolverine is paired with Heather Hudson, Guardian, um, which is cool. And they take out Daredevil and, Liv and Living Lightning. Uh, Wonder Man beats Wolverine up pretty good until Maxim uh, knocks him out. Uh, U.S. Agent hits Beast from behind and tries to murder him until Storm stops him. Uh, Storm, by the way, has not come back, but has started to have more compassion because Silver Surfer spared her, which is nice. Um... Gamora and Wolverine get a rematch. Wolverine impels her, but U.S. Agent hits him from behind, too. That's his move in this issue. Um, I have a, maybe a question. I guess it would still rattle him. Like, you know, because even if you get hit and something it doesn't break your skull, you, you can still get rattled and knocked out. So I guess maybe I answer my own question. And it seems like with that adamantium skull, it would be really hard to knock Wolverine out just by hitting him in the head, but it does. It's kind of lame. Anyway, the great art is just mostly fighting. I'll still give uh, Infinity Crusade number 5 a really strong 4 out of 6 claws. So now I'm going to jump over to the conclusion of the Web of Spider-Man story. Uh, this is Web of Spider-Man number 106. I believe it's the same creative team. If I can get there, where is the credits? Yeah, Judgment Day, Crisis of Conscience, Part 3 of 3. Uh, Stephen Baskerville is the inker on this one, which 
Well, it's pretty good. It's a little darker, like grittier, you see, but it works all right. The cover is rad. So on the cover, we have Spider-Man jumping away from an attack by Strong Guy, Puck, and Firestar. And this it's a nice cover. All right. So basically, this is just Infinity Crusade number five from Spidey's Angsty Perspective. <laughs> it's really that simple. Uh, we, we see Wolverine, of course, again fighting. Um, so I really, just again, for the art, would say Saviak is a really good, overlooked 90s Spidey artist. And the story is pretty good as well. So I gave this one four out of six claws. So that's going to take us to Infinity Watch number 21. So, a different view of the fight between Thor and Drax. Um, when Moondragon commands that Thor stop fighting and come help with the infidel evasion, Thor says, you're not the boss of me now. And says, I like fighting. And denounces his faith in the goddess and fights Drax until the sun blows up. <laughs> it's a pretty fun issue. With some really nice art. Um, so, Warlock Chronicles number 5. Uh, Warlock takes a walk on the feminine side. Um, he finds out he's much older than he thought and that the goddess is twisted due to centuries of being suppressed, causing her to lash out in her newfound freedom. Adam vows to try and understand in the future. So this is the issue. If there's any like purpose to the goddess as far as like gender identity, um, feminism, anything that, that, that Starlin might normally try to say through his stories, this is the issue that's, that gets closest to saying any of it. Um, it's a really good issue. Again, the, the Warlock Chronicles is the highlight of the event. Even even though I've graded some of the last issues of the main book a little higher, they're not touching the Chronicles, just in, as far as quality. Um, and just, like, emotional bent in the story. It's just a lot more complex and deeper than what we're getting in the actual Crusade issues. Um, alright, so anyway, in Warlock, in, in the Infinity Watch number 22, Adam is unable to break through the goddess's will, but Mole Man is able to defend Monster Island from the UN. So that takes us all the way to Infinity Crusade number 6, out of 6. So again, this is Rapture, with our same creative team. On the cover, we have, uh, the goddess... Pounding her fist and yelling at the sky. We have Captain America's shield, uh, Thor's hammer, and smoldering debris. And we have Professor X's head floating above by the title. And then Thanos and Adam Warlock in shock and awe and what the goddess has just done. It's an okay cover. Alright, so the sun and other stars go supernova throughout the universe, melting people, such as Wolverine, a pretty cool scene we see him literally melt down to a skeleton. Except, psych! Adam Warlock just let the goddess, oh, and by the way, everyone else in the universe, believe that she succeeded in blowing up all the stars, but it was just a trick. This pisses the goddess right off, so they have a soul fight, which is mostly just an uh, astral projection duel for all you X-Fans. Um, and that happens inside the Cosmic Egg. Uh, the passion of the goddess um, soul seems to be beating the, the irrational... Sorry, I stuttered. It's not irrational. The rational logic soul of Adam. But he had combined Thanos and Xavier to mentally attack with him. Uh, but in the egg, she can hold them at bay 
for a time until Thanos uses the Soul Gem to bond Warlock and the Goddess back together. Thanos then uses the Egg to send all the heroes home. He then prepares to honor his deal with Hephaestus until Adam suddenly receives the Soul Gem. They set the Egg in Paradise Omega to self-destruct and shoot it to the far reaches of the cosmos. Back in the vendor's headquarters, Wolverine and Gamora compare healing factors. Thanos departs threateningly as Adam returns to Earth. The heroes blame and threaten Adam, so Pip teleports the Infinity Watch back home. The heroes discover that most people view the whole ordeal as a bad dream. Uh, sidebar, Storm feels guilty, but Wolverine assures her it was not her fault. Nice conversation and scene there. Adam contemplates his reincorporated wholeness. The goddess and Magus fight each other in Soul World because misery loves company. And meanwhile, Mephisto comes to Thanos to collect his payment. Thanos gives him the last remaining cosmic cube, but unfortunately for the demon, it is a powerless husk now at this point. So, um, get our pretty good conclusion for the most part, and I'll give this issue four out of six claws. So the event has definitely grown on me as it goes a little bit, but you kind of have to separate yourself from some of the dumber elements. Um, but all the machinations of Mephisto with Thanos and Warlock, and it's pretty fun. I like that the heroes, like, they don't welcome a, uh, a savior in Adam Warlock. They're like, no, this is really, yeah, you saved us, but it's your fault to begin with. Um, and so I kind of like that turn of events. So, yeah, um, a, a pretty decent, solid conclusion to a story that had a very rocky start. Alright, so the last thing we're going to talk about is Alpha Flight number 127, which everybody dogpile on Alpha Flight. This ain't no pillow fight. Um, this is written by Simon Furman, pencils by Dario Carrasco Jr., inks by Bruce Patterson, letters by Janice Chang, colors by Bob Sharon, the cover is by Barrasco Jr., and it's a portion of the Infinity and Crusade fight. Uh, so we have Wolverine fighting Wild Child in this scenario, flanked by Heather Hudson against, oh, and Shaman, so against uh, Strong Guy, Wonder Man, Sasquatch, Vision, Wild Child, and this, the other guy from Alpha Flight, uh, who has the armor right now. He looks like a guardsman, but in Canadian flag. Alright, so parallel to the last several Crusade issues, we get a closer look at the Alpha Flight cast, including Wolverine and Guardian, or Heather Hudson, as versus Daredevil and Living Lightning. When they next fight Shaman and Wonder Man, we see then when Wolverine takes Shaman down. It's because Shaman is not truly converted, and as his physical body collapses, his spiritual body flies around and checks on his teammates until the fake apocalypse. So there's that story. There's also a backup story. So meanwhile, on Paradise Omega, in between the scenes that we saw, Wolverine hunts down Wildheart, formerly known as Wildchild, but he's good now, uh, because his scent was all over Storm's corpse. 
which we didn't see that, but anyway, it's in here. Uh, they fight briefly. Wolverine remembers an old training session where Wild Child went too far. Logan was mad, but Math reminded him of how animalistic Logan was when the Hudsons first found him. In the present, Wildheart knows something must have set Wolverine off. Wolverine would not just go berserk and attack me for no reason, he thinks, and so he tries to backtrack along Wolverine's path. When they come to where Storm's body was and is supposed to be, Wolverine realizes it is gone. Now he smells Moon Dragon, and who made him believe what he saw. So he stops the fight and starts to apologize, but stops himself because he assumes there's a silent understanding between them. <laughs> Wildheart really has reformed. This is like macho tough guy <laughs> to the max. It's like, I've done you wrong. I should apologize. But I can tell by the way you're frowning at me that you understand. <laughs> <laughs> and at least I, I quit trying to kill you. That's apology enough. <laughs> it's so funny to me. I'm sorry. Um, it was actually... <laughs> it's actually a pretty nice story. It's that this seems way below Moondragon's notice with how stressed she is in the actual story. Like, like she's going bonkers trying to hold this Infinity Crusade together. And it just seems like, why? Why would she make Wolverine see a dead storm with Wild Child or sorry, Wild Heart scent when there's all this other stuff that she's really focused on? It just seems a little <laughs> weird. But um, anyway, the art's not bad. The story's—it's got some funny parts, but it's not bad. I gave the issue Alpha Flight one twenty-seven, uh, three out of six claws, and that is Infinity Crusade. I think it could have been more. I think maybe that's where my dissatisfaction comes from. Is uh, after the first two parts of the Infinity Trinity, which I think Starlin will get a chance to revisit some more, maybe and not quite the regular continuity. But um, anyway, um, I don't know. It just—it's definitely the lesser chapter, and I think really it's more about. Um, it feels a little less focused. It feels like the the real crux of the story is in the Warlock Chronicles, and these are the these are the battle scenes for the most part. Um, and just I don't know, it's just I think the, the main thing I would say, even though I, I know I, I graded the, the end of it higher and came on board a little bit, I think really just as the event as a whole is really is kind of summed up by some missed opportunities. Like you have Starlin who is doing awesome stuff at this time still. And Ronwin, who is a great artist, I think, in this time. Not everyone agrees with me on that when you talk about 90s artists, but I I, I really love what he did on Silver Surfer and Captain America, and then, obviously, the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, and I, yeah, and just his, his collaboration with, with um, Starlin, I find really amazing for the most part. Um, yeah, I just I think it, this could have been a lot more, and it just kind of ended up being across the board a not bad event with some dumb elements. <laughs> and, but, I mean, Wolverine had some stuff to do. He got to, he got to be all right. Um, nothing really that altered or progressed the character's story arc, but he got to be Wolverine with all the other heroes and got to have some cool fights. And so yeah, 
overall, not bad. So that is Infinity Crusade. Like I said, I really look forward to Al and potentially Sarah talking about this on the Resurrections podcast. And I'm sure they'll go way, way deeper um, on it. And I think that'll be awesome. But that's all I have to say <laughs> about it. So just right around a normal episode for not bad for all the comics I talked about. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, coming down the pike, we have some cool stuff. I will be a little rushed to get there because I did procrastinate this episode so long. And I'm, I have a couple more flashback things I need to cover. But do have set up for the ninth anniversary episode have some special guests coming on to talk about Fatal Attractions. Um, it's going to be rad. I'm really looking forward to it. So definitely uh, keep your ears, ears peeled for that. Um, of course, just, you know, episode before this had uh, Dan and Georgie from Skyros on for special episode 450. Um, and then we'll continue to talk current comics with them. Um, so that's what is all coming up. Um, as always, for the podcast that goes snicked, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. Show notes and stuff for at snickcast.podbean.com. And until next time, everyone, stay safe, stay well. Hugs and snicks. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>